you please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6? For those who are visiting us, be welcome. It's a joy to have you here. It's a great joy to have you here. And we, we have been walking through verses 10 through 20 of Ephesians chapter 6. And today we're going to finish verse 18. If you can, would you stand please? Here's the word of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You may be seated. Oh Lord, we, we know our limitations. We know that we are completely dependent on you. And you know that you are very loving and gracious and merciful. And you love to give good gifts to your children. We need you. We need you to open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts. Help me, Lord. Sustain me and sustain this congregation, Lord. Thank you for your kindness towards us. Thank for your word. Help me to be faithful. And be glorified. Be magnified. Show us Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. From the very beginning, the very beginnings of military warfare, communication often holds the key to victory. Communicating with your allies while knowing where your enemies are is one of the most crucial parts in war. It's a key aspect of communication. Uh, last Lord's Day, I was telling about saying how congregational prayer is similar to a trumpet call, the church calling the Lord to come. I was thinking about how we don't use so much trumpets nowadays, but radios. And we could see... The, the praying church is using the military radio during our struggle with the kingdom of darkness. The, ne the necessity of communication has been well documented throughout the history of warfare. You think about before the wireless radio, they would use pigeons, birds, or dogs. So in Scotland, during the First World War, they had a school just for training dogs to be like radios, taking 
letters and communication from one side to the other. Uh, later, when you start having the wireless communication, the wireless radio, and that shows how effective that was for the troops. So as we think about prayer in the church and what prayer is calling on the Lord, calling on the name of the Lord to come and help us, we can picture prayer as this radio, as we calling out for help. We need help. We cannot do on our own. We are weak. We are feeble. And we need help, Lord. Help us. I think that's the problem because so many people see prayer. If you think of, if you ask people, what is prayer for you? The picture that they have of prayer is them sitting in a cozy place, drinking a cup of coffee, and having their time of prayer. So that's how they see prayer, is this private thing where they can have, for a moment, peace, and they're sipping their coffee and having their quiet time. So that's how they see prayer. And the problem is, if that's how you picture prayer, once you don't have this ambiance, once you don't have this atmosphere where it's all quiet, you have your cup of coffee, then you cannot pray. But that's not the picture that the Bible gives us of prayer, and especially corporate prayer. This week I came across an article from John Piper. And he, instead of comparing prayer to military radio, he compares to walkie-talkie. I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's cool. So I want to share with you his, his words. He says, prayer is the walkie-talkie on the battlefield of the world. It calls in for the accurate location of the target of the word. It calls in to ask for the protection of air cover. It calls in to ask for firepower to bless open a way for the tanks of the word of God. It calls in supplies for the forces. And it calls in the needed reinforcements. And it's only when you comprehend and you understand how prayer is important in the life of the church. All our striving to borrow Luther's words, we'll be losing. Unless we draw our power, our force from the Lord Jesus. That's why Paul opens, say, be what? Finally, brothers... Verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the might of His power. Amen. So as we come here to Ephesians chapter 6, I just want to remind you that I don't believe that prayer is part of the armor. I don't think prayer is one piece of the armor, but it's actually one of the ways that the church is putting on the armor. And who is the armor? Christ Jesus. Paul is always telling the church to put on Christ. Put on Jesus as your Lord. And he's doing the same thing here. And one of the ways that we put on Christ Jesus is by praying together. We all praying. We are dressing ourselves with Christ. We are emptying ourselves of ourselves. And putting on Jesus as our garments, as our armor. Look at verse 12 of chapter 6. Paul tells us that we are in a spiritual war. We do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Spiritual forces of evil. It's a spiritual warfare. And if you are in a nuclear warfare, 
If you're fighting against those who have nuclear power, your tiny pistol, revolver, will not work. And the same, when we are in a spiritual warfare, we need spiritual weapons. And that's exactly what the Lord gives us. We are in a spiritual warfare, therefore He gives us His Holy Spirit. He gives us the sword of the Spirit. He gives His Holy Spirit. And we, we see Paul telling us, pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. And we saw what it means for Paul to pray in the Holy Spirit. It's not gibberish words that nobody understands. For Paul to pray in the Spirit is to be praying where we are controlled and guided by the Holy Spirit. Paul just told us that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So to pray in the Spirit, we are praying prayers that are in accordance with the Word of God. Think about Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, enables us to call God Abba, Father. And that's to pray in the Spirit, to come to Him in humility, knowing that we have been adopted and we have this wonderful God who is now our Father, and He will protect us. So, here's the outline of this morning's sermon. We're going to finish verse 18. So we have been looking at the comprehensiveness of corporate prayer. One, at all times, with all prayers and supplication, with all perseverance, and then four, for all the saints. So before we move, I just want to do a revision of what we saw last Lord's Day. So we see how comprehensive prayer is. Look at verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Make supplication for all the saints. So you see how expensive, how extensive, how comprehensive is prayer. All, 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 all. It's not something boring, tedious. It's comprehensive, it's expensive. And we are commanded to pray at all times, all prayers, all perseverance for all the saints. And I just want to remind you the a basic definition of prayer. So if you remember, we... We brought Gary Miller here to help us. And he says, prayer, as he's tracing a theology of prayer, he says, prayer begins in the Bible as a cry for God to do what he has promised. To deal with the reality of sin by delivering on his covenant promises. To praise, to ask God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. It's to confess our weakness and appeal to his awesome strength. Amen? That's prayer. Calling upon the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is His character, who He is. And we're calling God to do what He has promised to do. To empower us, to strengthen us. So you think about, if, if prayer is calling on the name of the, the Lord to come and help us, empower us, to do what He has promised. What is corporate prayer? What is corporate prayer or congregational prayer? Corporate, the body, it's the whole body praying together. Calling out on the name of the Lord to come and help us. And corporate prayer doesn't necessarily mean that every single member will be praying. Sometimes one person, like Joseph, was praying here earlier. It's congregational prayer. He's praying on our behalf. He's praying as one of the body members here. 
And that's very important. We are all together as we are praying on Sundays, on Wednesdays, or different meetings that we have. Those are corporate prayers. And your amen is important. Sometimes we take amen for granted, but amen means I embrace that. Yes, Lord, it's true. Let it be. We are all embracing together the prayer and say, yes, we want this for our body, for our church here. Amen. And we need, we need to remember that it's for all of us to be praying together. Satan, his war is not against just an individual. It's against the people of God. Do you remember Revelation 12? He's angry and he's attacking the woman. And the woman is a picture of the community of God's people. He's after the church, which is the body of Christ on earth. That's how he's trying to harm us. So we are all together here. So that's why we lift up our voices together. So Paul says that we are to pray in the Spirit. First of all, he says, at all times. All times. That's the ESV. If you have the NIV, I, I, I prefer. It says, on all occasions. The King James says, always. And remember, the, the Greek word here is kairos. Seasons. And what Paul is telling us is that the church must be praying together in every single season of the church's life. There's not a single season in our life together that we can say, hey, we are good. We can, take, we, we, can, we can stop praying. We have arrived there. No. We must be always striving together in prayer. Always in every single season of our lives, when you during prosperity or poverty, Persecution or peace, joy or affliction, when it's all calm and joyful and when it's all stormy and ugly, we must be always praying. Amen? And we can do it and we must do because the Holy Spirit is always with us. The Holy Spirit doesn't take a vacation. He says, I'm out so you guys cannot pray. And let me remind you that Satan doesn't take a vacation. He says, hey, I'm done. I will not attack you for the next five months. No, it's constant warfare. So that's why we must be always praying. And we also never know what's going on. It's a body, so members in this body can be under heavy attack. And we must be always praying for each other. And we saw also how our Lord Jesus, we saw last Sunday how in every season of his life he was praying. Every season of his life he was praying. And we must follow him, amen? So not only all times, but he says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And you remember, prayer and supplication, are, are, it's hendiatus. It's just two words for a group of terms that Paul wants us to It's not just, okay, in your warfare, you can only pray and bring supplication. Do not bring thanksgiving. Do not bring benediction. No, no, no. That's not what Paul is saying. He's just putting these two words as headings for a group of other things that we can pray. And we saw how biblical prayer has adoration. We praise our God for His majestic attributes, for who He is. There's confession of sins or lamentation. We come before Him and we confess our sins. We humble ourselves. There's supplication. There's benediction. And there is precatory prayer. So all these prayers are part of what Paul is telling us to pray with all prayers and supplication in this warfare. 
And now we move to the next point, and that's where we didn't get last Sunday. So Paul says, with all perseverance. So he says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. So Paul tells us when to pray, where to pray at all seasons. He tells us what types of prayer we are to pray, with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. And now he tells us how to pray. And he opens there by saying that we are to be awake, he says. To that end, keep alert, awake, sober-minded. The word literally refers to lie sleepless, as if you're laying in your bed and you are sleepless. You're not sleeping. Your eyes are open. You are aware of what's going on. To pass a sleepless night. That's the same word that Paul uses when he's telling the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 6 and 11, when he tells them that part of his afflictions was to spend sleepless nights. Do you remember, as an apostle, he talks about all his sufferings, all his pain, and part of his sufferings was to spend sleepless nights. Maybe because of pain, under arrest, and sometimes just of the burden of be praying for other churches. Uh, think about this word, it's very military in background, and if a soldier who was put on duty during the night watch, if he was caught sleeping, do you remember what happened to that soldier? Yes, a lot of times he would lose his life. He must be awake, he must stay alert. And we must be alert for the schemes of the devil. We must be alert to his fiery arrows, his desire to kill us. Alert to his plan to destroy us. Alert for his temptations, and we must be alert because of our own weakness. We know, we know areas that we are weak, and we must be alert, eyes open. And here's what happens. As we are awake, as we are alert, as we are sober-minded, that leads to constant prayer. Because if you're alert, you know. You know that there are things going on, and that's why Paul tells us, keep alert, and then he says, with all perseverance. Or diligence, devotion. That same word is used in Acts, Acts chapter 2, and that's important. The verb form is used in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Here's what we read about the early church. It says, and they devoted, that's the same word there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and what? The prayers, the prayers. Specific times of congregational prayer. The church in the book of Acts is described as devoted to prayer. And here is Luke's description of the church as one body devoted to corporate prayer is not intended to be a nostalgic retrospect of the good old days long ago. That's how sometimes we look, oh, those are the old good days. No, but what, Paul, what Luke's telling us is for us to imitate here. We are to follow after. That's the mark of a healthy church, to be devoted to corporate prayer. That's very similar to what Paul tells the Colossians in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. In the context of corporate worship, Paul says, continue, what? Devoted, steadfastly, devoted, the same word, in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So Paul, Luke, in Acts, Colossians, Ephesians, we, we are called to be busy. That's the word, to be busy with corporate prayer. 
And sometimes we are so busy that we cannot pray with the church. Right? My life is so busy. Oh, if you saw the season, I'm so busy I cannot pray with the church. The Bible says, no, no, no. You've got to be busy with the church, praying on your knees. That's what the church needs. And that's what you need. Amen? Uh, and sometimes we, we think, you know, especially as the topic of prayer, and, and, and people say, oh, that's so easy to bring guilt and, and condemnation because we all need to pray more, right? And now, how can we be more devoted to prayer? You know, it's very simple. It's very simple. The reason why we don't pray more is because we think too highly of ourselves. That's the reason why we don't pray more. We think we are too good, too powerful on our own. Because honestly, if we truly believe, believe that we cannot do on our own, we are going to get on our knees and ask the Lord to help us. It's only when we truly comprehend that the Holy Spirit, that we need the Holy Spirit to clothe us with the armor of God, that we be devoted to prayer. Our discipline of praying together comes after our corporate realization of our dependence on Him. It's only when we all realize that we depend on Him that we will lead to discipline. You know, you can read 300 books on prayer. You can listen to 3,000 sermons on prayer. And your prayer life will not change. Will not change. Unless you realize how weak, how powerless, how dependent you are on the Lord. That's why we don't pray more. Because we think we can do it. Why don't we pray early in the morning? Because we think we can do we can do the same thing. It's just another day. I can do that on my own. No. Unless we realize how weak we are, how dependent we are, and how we have a strong enemy, cruel, evil, then we're going to devote ourselves to prayer. So Paul says, for us to be alert with all perseverance, devotion. Think about these two words, being alert, being devoted. That speaks of energy, speaks of Enthusiasm, passion, fervency, zeal. Probably sometimes we pray without any affection. Maybe we are praying for people or for certain occasions and there is no affection. That's not how we are supposed to pray. To pray with all alertness, devoted. Speaks of enthusiasm. We must be awake, thoughtful, eager. We pray for people to come to church. And we must come to church eager to see the Lord answering that prayer. Amen? It's like, man, we always pray, Oh, Lord, bring the members with joy and zeal. And I'm eager to see people come with joy and zeal. We pray for visitors. We pray for people who need to be saved to come. And we come to church expecting that. Eager to see the Lord answering We pray for our kids, for the Lord to save them. And we are eager waiting for the Lord to do that. Amen? Amen. So when you pray for the preaching, you pray for me. I need your prayer. And you come eager to see how the Lord's going to answer that. I like what William Garnell says. He says, The attributes of God call for fervency in worship. 
He is a great and glorious God. And as such, it becomes us to approach His presence with our affections in the best array. Are yawning prayers fit for a great God's hearing? Again, he that offers, he that offers not the best, the strength of his affections, is a deceiver. Because he robs God of his due. And he is a great God. And he says, he's the living God. Is a dead-hearted prayer a sacrifice suitable to a living God? How can that be accepted of him which never came from him? Lay not your dead prayers by his side. The lively prayer is his. The dead is your own. <laughs> How then can God, who is all life, brook thy lazy, listless devotions? He's a loving God, and love will be paid in no coin but its own. Pray fervently, or you do nothing. Cold praying is no more prayer than a painting of a fire is fire. How can prayers that do not even warm your own heart move God's? Our fervent prayer will never find a cold reception with God. And brothers and sisters, we have a beautiful God. A, a majestic triune God. Deserving. He is alive. He is full of life. All life is in Him. He is beautiful, glorious. And we must offer prayers that reflect that. Amen? So may our prayer, our prayer meetings be marked by alertness, full devotion, humble determination to pray in the Spirit. And last, the final one here, Paul says, for all the saints, making supplications for all the saints. And see how comprehensive and expensive prayer is. We must be thinking about and praying for Christians in all sorts of places. And sometimes we are so absorbed with, by our own world, by our own kingdom, and we stop thinking and praying kingdom prayers. It's always my, my, my. And that's why sometimes we become boring prayer. Because we just think about ourselves. And honestly, we are pretty boring on our own. We need the, the body to see what the Lord is doing, His works. When we start lifting up the needs of others, praises for what the Lord is doing in Lee and Elizabeth's life. When we intercede for our church family, bring their names, their needs, victories, sorrows to the throne of, throne of grace, we start realizing how wonderful and exciting praise. Amen? Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says, First of all, then, I urge that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And then he says here, for all the local churches. He says, I desire then that in every place the man should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. And there is a command, for, especially for us here. We meet every Wednesday. We spend a long time praying together. And there is a command in the Bible that the man... Especially the man is supposed to stand and pray. We love to have the women praying. Praise the Lord. We have women who pray. And they should continue praying. But we need to have the man standing up. First Timothy chapter 2. Standing up and praying. I love what Philip Riken says. He says, 
The public prayers of the church should have a global perspective. Many evangelical churches have abbreviated the pastoral prayer or eliminated it altogether. The Apostle Paul would have been shocked by this trend because he considered prayer of first importance in the public worship of God. So many churches, they don't have prayer anymore. No prayer. Why? Because once you bring a bunch of carnal people to the church, prayer is boring. Prayer is not fun or exciting like singing with lights and a cool message. That's why we don't have prayer anymore. He says, even when it's offered today, however, congregational prayer is sometimes self-centered and fails to venture very far beyond today's offering or Edna's kidney. He says, pastoral prayers ought rather to be large, expensive, and wide-ranging. They should include the great issues of the day and the vast nations of the world. Intercession should be made for renewal, revival, and reformation in the church. Prayer should be offered for missionaries, evangelists, and church planters. The sufferings of the persecuted church and the desperation of unsaved humanity should be brought weekly before the throne of grace. Amen. The author of Hebrews, he says, Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And, and that, this command is flowing from verse 1, where the author of Hebrews tells the, those Christians to let brotherly love continue. So one of the ways that you're going to show brotherly love to other Christians is by remembering them, praying for them. Here could be visiting those who are in prison because of the gospel. But praying for them. We demonstrate our love for these brothers and sisters. For example, this morning, we were praying for our brothers where? In Nigeria. We saw Afghanistan some Sundays ago. China. Yemen. And we must be bringing these brothers and sisters to the throne of grace. And asking the Lord to be with them. It's praying for all the saints. We pray for Christians in Nigeria, Somalia, China, Afghanistan. But not only there, in our own town, we pray for churches here. And look at how Paul calls those Christians. For all who? The saints. Isn't that amazing that Paul called all the saints, all the Christian saints, the Roman Catholic Church believes that saints are only those who, are, who have been canonized. And they have been canonized because of some sort of miracle that they perform or some amazing act that they perform. The Bible says that every Christian is a holy one, a saint. Why? Because of Christ, the Holy One of Israel. And all those who are united to Christ, to the Holy One, become saints. The word saint means devoted, consecrated. And that's what we are. We are devoted and consecrated to the Lord. And that's why it's so important, the nature of church membership. You know, we live in a time where membership is completely despised in the church. Why have membership? We need to have serious membership to make sure that the people who are part of the church are what? Saints, holy ones. People who have been consecrated to Christ. Those who are in union with the Holy One. Amen? 
That's why it's important. It's something that we don't take very seriously. Is the membership in the church. Make sure that they're saints. They have been placed with Christ. Their lives show that they're holy ones in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And we must be praying for one another, praying with each other. That's one of the applications of this. Praying for all the saints means that we are praying together. One of the most pathetic things in the Christian life today is when people tell you some of their afflictions, some of the problems that they are going through, and you just say, oh, I'll be praying for you. Why don't you just embrace that person, pray right there, get somebody else, hey, let's pray for this brother and sister. We need to stop, oh, I'll be praying for you. No, pray right there. Gather people, pray with them. Because 90, 90% of the time that we say you're going to be praying for somebody, we never do that. Well, let's be praying with one another. Hug, embrace here. I'll pray with you right now. And remembering the names. Paul in, in Romans 16. Romans 16 is amazing because Paul had never been to those churches. He, don't know, he doesn't know all those people. but He knows so many names. And all those names he's bringing to the throne of grace. That's why it's so important to be praying for the names of the church members that we have. Uh, we have... Uh, Joseph and Melissa working on the directory. So pretty soon we're going to have the church directory. And, and I have a church directory right by my Bible every morning. So I can read all the names and be praying for each one of you. That's all we need to be doing. Making supplication for all the saints. The word for supplication there implies pleading with a sense of urgency. Oh, that we will constantly be bringing people to the throne of grace with a sense of urgency. Our brothers and sisters. Vague prayers for vague people lead to boring and unbiblical prayer. And that's what sometimes we are so used to. Vague prayers for vague people. No. Let's be specific in our prayers. Pray for the sick in our church, but pray for the healthy ones also. Amen? Amen. Let's plead for the children of this church. Let Lift up the name of the couples, asking the Lord to protect their marriage. Bring the single members of this church, cry for the Father to comfort them and bring contentment to their lives. Clinton Arnold, he says, Since soldiers typically need help in putting on their armor, prayer can be seen as a way that we can help arm fellow believers for this struggle. Paul modeled this with his regular intercessory prayers for the people and even gives us an insight into how to pray for others. Since many Christians have a tendency to spend most of their small group prayer times praying for those who are sick or facing a crisis, he says, Paul models here a different approach that stresses ongoing prayer in a way that prepares people to face inevitable struggles. It's therefore important for us to pray regularly for one another, that God will so strengthen our fellow believers that they will be able to stand on the evil day, that is, when a crisis or attack of some sort hits. Be praying for one another. Not only when the evil day comes, but before. So they can be strong, ready to face. And that's, what, that's the last text here in Colossians chapter 4. We hear about Epaphras. Look at verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a slave of Christ Jesus, he greets you. And Paul says, I have noticed this man. He's here with me in prison. And I notice every time we pray, 
always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. Paul could see that man fighting, struggling, laboring in prayers. And look how he's praying for them. That you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Epaphras is described as a soldier fighting in prayers for his whole church. And my prayer is that we will be a church of Epaphras. Continue being a church of Epaphras. Praying together, brothers and sisters. We need, we need to prioritize. We need to pray more. Would anybody disagree that we need to pray more? We need to pray more. On Wednesdays. Sundays. Other times. Find different days for us to pray together. We need you. That's the way that the Lord has appointed. One of the ways that he has appointed for us to do what? Put on the arm of God. And be strengthening the Lord. So. May the Lord help us. May the Lord help us. We need his help. We need to be. Daily reminded of our weakness. We are not strong. We are weak and we need him. Amen. And he's a wonderful God. He's a wonderful Triune God who loves, who loves to help those who come to Him. He loves that. Father, we, we thank You for Your Word that You have established and does not return void. And we pray right now that Your Word would pierce our hearts and bear much fruit. Help us to be a church that is constantly praying with all prayers and supplications for all the saints, Lord. Deliver us from the idea that we can be comfortable, that we can do on our own, by no means. Help us. Help us. Lord, we are weak and frail, helpless in the storm. So surround us with your angels. Fold us in your arms because our cold and ruthless enemy, his pleasure is our harm. So we pray, rise up, O Lord, and he will flee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.